it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Ferry. And the losing streak has reached 17 games. <laughs> Arizona was home against UCLA. We didn't expect the Wildcats to win, Brett, but we thought they'd compete. They did compete, and then their starting quarterback got hurt in the fourth quarter in what was an eight-point game turned into a 34-16 loss. Arizona 0-5. Well... <laughs> <laughs> not too much uh more to, to, to add to that um yeah they once again arizona looked competitive within a score going into the or in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. um against a, a decent team and then it all kind of fell apart uh, quickly when jordan mcleod went down not that they were uh dominating anything they were definitely competing effectively um you know the the dtr they can you say they held him uh, in check because he had, what, three passing yards in the first half? But that was, I think, more UCLA than Arizona's doing for a yeah. lot of it. But they also ran the ball uh, effectively, unfortunately, which you know ultimately was probably going to lead to UCLA winning that game regardless of what happened with Jordan McLeod uh, and his injury. But, uh, yeah, kind of a downer, Adam. Yeah, just a little bit because – a lot of the optimism was tepid optimism because obviously Jordan McLeod, he played well enough against Oregon to get the starting job, but he threw those five interceptions. And the question was, could Arizona devise a game plan around Jordan McLeod with his strengths and his weaknesses to maximize what he had to offer? And for most of that game, it seemed like the answer was yes. He was fairly accurate. He was making really good decisions. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't even put the ball in danger really at all. Um, had a you know sacked a couple of times, but was moving the offense. Now Arizona's red zone troubles were there again. This time it was largely due to penalties. They would just mess up in the red zone, and that I think they had eleven penalties in this game. And there's never a good time for a penalty, but when you have an illegal block when you're driving, when you have a holding penalty, just when you have an illig- ineligible man downfield because he the tight end lined up wrong and he caught the pass that was for a first down. Like these things are costly, and they add up. Where Arizona scored. Like, most of their possessions, they got a field goal opening drive, gave a touchdown, got another field goal on the next drive, right? Like, they were moving the football, and even in this game, they put up yards. They just still only put up the 16 points. And, yeah, once Jordan McLeod got hurt early in the fourth quarter, Arizona was near midfield, their side of the field, but near midfield, down eight, having just got a turnover themselves. And you're thinking, okay, maybe there's a chance. Maybe they can do this. And then he gets hurt, his knee, and it looked bad. Like He's since been declared out for the season. But... Like just the, all the air was sucked out of that building. You know, Gunnar Cruz comes in. Well, after to be fair, he, McLeod fumbles the ball. He gets hurt. The defense holds. They don't give up any points there. 
but there's a punt. And then I think there was a penalty. There was like there was like they had like the twenty, but then there was a penalty. I think a holding penalty, which put him back to the ten. Then there was a sack, a bad run, and a, a really lousy swing pass. And at that point, it's like okay, they're not winning this game, you know. And that's just like with McLeod, there was hope. Without McLeod, especially in that game, there was none. Yeah, I think it was deflating. You could kind of see it in the body language. Uh, you know, it's after the defense held after that turnover, you say, hey, maybe there is something here. But then, as you as you pretty well summarized there. Uh, it just, you know, very quickly you saw some of the, the, the challenges we've seen with Gunnar Cruz of, you know, pump faking or not throwing the ball, taking the sack, and then skipping a, what was clearly supposed to be like a screen setup pass. Um, and that and that was kind of that for the game. By that, by that point, I think every, even though it was still a one-score game, it was it was like everybody in Well, after on the that Arizona one, side, the short field, Oregon came back and scored a touchdown and essentially put it away at that point. UCLA. Or Oregon, yeah, <laughs> UCLA, my bad. Yeah, UCLA. The games, to be fair... The game plans and game execution were very similar with uh, Arizona actually, you know, putting up some yardage. They all blur together. Uh, uh, it was it was a very similar game just without the McLeod interceptions until the injury. Um, maybe not quite as uh, not quite as consistently successful running the ball, but still effectively getting first downs, not dominating the clock as much. But that may have been more to the fact that they uh weren't having pick sixes and very, very short fields for Oregon off the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's another one where Arizona was competitive, but they just, they, they don't know how to win right now. And, and part of it is they don't know how to not lose. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, um, and they, 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 they're a good enough team and they seem to, to believe in what they're doing, that they're consistently competitive, which means it's just a matter of time, but we're, we're officially in monkey-on-the-back territory with just, just getting a damn win. Yeah, and they were underdogs against UCLA for a reason. You know, we yeah. had talked ourselves into, hey, they could be competitive, and yeah, if you want to believe they can win, yeah, I mean, there's reason to think that. And I think they, they, validate, they, they validated that because Arizona was in that game. They held the, I mean, it was a 3 nothing lead, but they were in that football game, and they had made some good plays just despite their own incompetence at times. With all those penalties that they committed, they were still in that football game. And if if you're Jed Fish, it's easy to, look at, to tell that team, say, hey, if you cut that out with the penalties and the mistakes, you can win these football games, right? If, if you don't throw five interceptions at Oregon, you could have beat Oregon on the road. It's easy to make that claim, but yet Arizona's finding those ways to lose. And to your point, Brett, yeah, they just they don't know how to win, but they still don't know how to not lose. And that's what teams like them do. Like They don't have a margin for error. They can't have 11 penalties and win a game. You'd think they can't turn the ball over five times, six times. Even against UCLA, they finished with the two turnovers. Michael Wally had a fumble. If Arizona, when Arizona was in plus in the turnover category, they were had a chance, right? Like they got the the first turnover of the game was that fumble from UCLA, and then Arizona had two after that, and Arizona was in the game, and just they make those mistakes, and they're not good enough to win with that making those kinds of mistakes. And you know, Jordan McLeod getting hurt is a real downer for him, especially, but for the program and for the team because he did offer some hope because he was moving the ball. The offense looked good, and if you want to f- take something out of this. It's you can take it where the two games Jordan McLeod started, where he was a competent quarterback, the offense was moving. Like Jet Fisher's play design, his play calls, they were working. Guys were getting open. You know, they were finding receivers downfield the way it's supposed to happen. So you could look at it and say he's that maybe proved the coach a little bit. It kind of validated him. But then the problem is you don't have Jordan McLeod anymore. So if he was a difference between this team being able to move the ball and not, well, now you have every reason to be concerned. Well, it's it's interesting because I think you know we talked to Michael Lev of the Daily Star uh, before this game, 
Last um, week, yeah, yeah. You know, and we kind of posed the question a little bit to him of like, is is their ability to move the ball, Jordan McLeod, or the change of the game plan? And we're going to find that out, I think, now pretty quickly yes. for the rest of the season because I think I think he said, and I think I agree, that it's probably a little bit of both. Um, but, you know, if you get Gunnar Cruz against BYU with maybe a, a, a game plan that's mitigates his uh, negative tendencies, perhaps, with, like, holding on the ball too long, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, Jed Fish is, is inherently an offensive guy, inherently a quarterback coach, right? Um, you know, it, it'll be curious to see uh, their... They're they're coming up on a game where it's a it's another it's maybe the most winnable game they've had on their schedule other than NAU, um, but they, you know nothing is guaranteed with this team and it's hard to pick them to win a game when, you know they've uh, you know if they had a, if they had a year for every uh, loss they've had in a row they could see an R-rated movie now. <laughs> yeah, I I think if Jordan McLeod had played the entire game and Arizona had still lost. Maybe they lose by a touchdown. They lose by 10. I guess it was eight points. Say they lose by 11, right? But Jordan McLeod finishes the game. He played pretty well. He continued on that path. You would feel pretty good about things. You'd say, hey, they they were home. They had the right game plan. They competed against a better team, and they have their quarterback. But because you don't have Jordan McLeod anymore, you go back to Gunnar Cruz, who in week one he was good, and every appearance after that he has been bad. You go back to him. And you, it's, you can't feel good because it feels like whatever progress had been made, I guess since the Oregon game, so after the NAU game, whatever progress had been made seems like it's just been halted. And the question is, will it be reversed? And that's what we have to find out because like, if the game plan changed and that was, if the game plan was a difference and that's why this was effective offensive, then, then yeah, they'll be okay. Because Gunnar Cruz isn't terrible at throwing the football when he throws it. But... Like how much of it was just because Jordan McLeod was more experienced and more willing to just let the ball fly and accurate on those balls. Now, there's certain things that Gunnar Cruz offers that Jordan McLeod doesn't, which is the concept of throwing the ball deep. Gunnar Cruz has a bigger arm. He can fit the ball into tighter windows that require some of that speed on the throw, some of the mustard on it. He can do that when he gets rid of the ball. And the question is, can they devise an offense, design something for him that'll kind of balance out his, his hesitancy? Because he didn't seem that hesitant against BYU, but maybe it's just guys were open. Like if, but he has to get in his head where it's like you have to throw players open. And maybe that's part of the offense, too. Maybe the scheme is going to be better to highlight what he can do. But like I said, we're going to find out because right now, I guess it's easy to look at the game and say, Arizona did some good things. They competed with a former top 25 team. They were right, going toe-to-toe. They made mistakes and still had a chance in that game up until their quarterback hurt. Like you could find reasons to believe, to feel good about what you saw against B, or against UCLA. You absolutely can. But just the Jordan McLeod injury puts that cloud over everything and says the things that they need to be able to do. Because the defense has been okay most of the season. Haven't been great against the run, but they've managed most of the season. Offensively, they've been bad. And can they be better than bad with Gunnar Cruz at quarterback? We don't know. Yeah, and I, I think you t- talked about the defense, too. There, I mean, you can look and sit at the defense against UCLA, and the rushing yards were a problem. But I think this is the first time they've forced a turnover against a non-NAU team all year, and they forced two, right? Like that's yeah. that's that's a sign of some type of progress. <laughs> um, you know, you, you gave up what three hundred twenty something yards rushing, uh, three hundred twenty-nine. I just checked it, so that's that's a problem. But you still forced, you know, you you limited Dorian Dorian Thompson Robinson's passing 
uh, partially he limited himself, but you also got a pick. You forced a fumble that you recovered. You know, that, and that's against a team that has some talent. And I mean, the concern was going to be the running game, right? Uh, we we all knew that going in. And UCLA, you know, there's no way around it. 329 yards rushing is a lot, but that's also pro- probably a product of DTR not being effective. And the because of the they were effective running the ball, the defense was on the field longer. Arizona wasn't able to dominate the clock. I think they won the time of possession battle still, but not nearly as much as they have in the past. Um, you know, it, it's I'm curious to see what happens when uh, Arizona comes out against against Colorado, because you know if you if you game plan it right, if you make limit the number of decisions Gunnar Cruz has to make and say like limit the number of options, and it's like it. It's like, this is option one, this is option two. And you're either throwing to option two or you're, you're running forward or throwing it yeah. away. Don't, well, don't, don't, don't have him go through four reads. Right? We, can, we can get into that Colorado game. Actually, we had plans to talk to Jack Barsh from Ralphie Report to give us a look at Colorado. Because we've said many times we like having guests on who can talk about the opponent. But a lot of the season, it's never really mattered what the opponent does. It's mostly just by introspection. But this is a game where, like, hey, Arizona has a chance to compete, maybe even beat Colorado. So we had every plan on talking to Jack Barsh from Ralphie Report. And then our interview, our technology failed us, Brett. To be to be fair, we did talk to him. We just don't have the uh, uh, the recording that we started during that. Yeah, yeah. Something about, I guess, Arizona and Colorado, not a good enough game to deserve conversation is what we decided you're, the the sports guys. You're, yeah. Your uh, your Microsoft Windows said, are you really trying to have an analytical conversation about the upcoming Arizona-Colorado game? And you immediately got a blue screen of death as it rejected it as a <laughs> yeah. concept. So that's what happened. But we do have a little bit of stuff from Jack. So we come back from this break. We have some from Jack. And then we're also going to talk about the Colorado game. But first... A break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So, yeah, Brett, as mentioned, we, we talked to Jack about this game, and he was not optimistic about Colorado. And they're 1-4. They're coming off a bye week. They have a terrible offense. I guess they're averaging 8.5 points a game against FBS teams, which is not great. We think Arizona has problems offensively. Uh, Colorado's offense is just dreadful. Really, really bad. I mean, how bad exactly? Well... Let Jack explain Colorado's quarterback situation. Speaking yeah. of the devil, I just went on Twitter really quick, and I'm looking at this total quarterback EPA, what we were just talking about. If you want to guess uh, which two teams in the Pac-12 have two quarterbacks in the bottom 10, I'll never, you'll never guess. Well, how many of Arizona's quarterbacks are in there? Oh, just one. They just oh. have Gunnar Cruz. <laughs> uh, 
It's yeah, a, he, um, like, he's tenth worst. That's not Brendan Lewis is third worst. Somehow Michael Penix from Indiana is worse than Brendan Lewis. So yeah, there's quarterback issues in this game. But Colorado does have a decent defense, decent enough players on defense, but kind of similar to Arizona that just they're not good. <laughs> like, like this is the Arizona, I think, is a touchdown underdog by the time we're doing this podcast on the 13th of October. But these are two bad football teams. Hey, we you know, we got we got some crap from the Colorado fans last year saying that they were the worst undefeated team. And now we're probably the bookend. And we were I'd like to think we're the best winless team out there. I think we're one of only a couple winless or winless teams out there, but uh, yeah, how bad how bad is your offense uh, when you look at Arizona, who has struggled to move the ball, finally found a quarterback, and he's out for the season? <laughs> Haven't broke? Have, have we even broken sixteen points in a game? Maybe nineteen in a game. Nineteen uh, is the season high, and uh, they are envious of our offensive talents. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh... <laughs> This is the game of the week by far in college football. It's at twelve thirty. Uh, it's it's the misery loves company bowl. There's a reason it got prime time in the middle of the day is because they don't expect anyone to want to watch it. I don't even think Arizona fans and Colorado fans want to watch this game. Like they're all gonna hate watch it because we're all masochists in our own sports fandom way. But no, you look at this game and talking with Jack and like it's um, I feel like if Jordan McLeod is playing. Arizona fans are thinking the Wildcats win this game. Maybe Arizona's even favored. But given that Colorado's coming off a bye week and that Arizona's going back to a quarterback who there's no reason to believe he can lead them to victory. I mean, granted, Jordan McLeod hadn't done it either. But there's just a different vibe for this team because Jordan McLeod was the new guy. He was playing well. He was clearly the best option of their three quarterbacks that they've played. And now you don't have him. So if Gunnar Cruz, if they can build an offense around him or that plays to his strengths... And if they can run the ball, if Arizona has found something there, and if Arizona's defense can maybe play a little bit better because they're playing against a worse offense, they look better. I think Arizona's a more talented team. Like they, I think they are, and they probably believe more. Even talking to Jack, he's like, the players there, like Darrell, it's just not a great situation. Arizona players seem to believe in Jed Fish still. So like, if they can get just decent quarterback play out of Gunnar Cruz, it feels like they should be able to win this game. But you can't expect decent quarterback play because we really like you, you can't. It'd be unfair to. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on that if Arizona can effectively run the ball, kind of follow a similar game plan just against a less talented team than they've played this season, other than, you know, save for NAU, which, uh, you know, that that was probably the Will Plummer special game where that pick six literally was like the difference between winning and losing against a bad team. Um, you know, one of the things that was interesting that he talked about, I can't remember if it was what was lost to the Internet uh, ether or uh, any of the stuff in the after conversation. You know, he's talking about how Colorado on the outside plays a lot of man, but then also has the guys up front just trying to keep people in front of him. Not that aggressive. I can maybe it's just the homer in me. I could see that playing to Gunnar Cruz's strengths. Like if you just do dink and dunk, you know, three step drops, three step drops, quick, get the ball out. Not a lot of decision making with the occasional, with their man on the outside, throw the ball real deep and hope that Tavian Cunningham can uh, outrun the corner. Or now you have Joyner, you know, maybe, too. Like you have, enough, yeah, you have you know, more weapons at receiver. Well, well Joyner, at, yeah, Joyner at receiver or at quarterback, Adam. I, <laughs> he, threw, I, like, he threw a touchdown pass. There is a world where Gunnar Cruz can't succeed because we saw him play pretty well against BYU. There was a reason why. Like, I remember we came on the show and said, hey, he looked like he, he could be the guy. He played well. He was within himself. He was making decisions, quick reads now. 
if Arizona's line gives him time to read the field and read the field again and read it some more, like then he could be effective, right? Like if, if hesitancy is the issue, you solve that either with making sure he gets about real quick to open guys, he has time to throw, and or receivers are getting open. So if Arizona can do that, like it's, that's the trick, right? And I don't. He took the one sack last week against UCLA, and I'm not sure. It looked like it was it was one that came right up the middle type of thing where I don't know how much of a chance he had. I mean, from the replay I saw on TV, it didn't look like there was anybody really open that he could get the ball to. And that's part, but even then, but I don't know the film. I didn't, I don't have the all 22. And also the reason why I think they like Gunnar Cruz, I know Jed Fish said he has more command of the huddle and everything like that. But if Arizona doesn't turn the ball over against NAU, they beat NAU, right? So like if, if Gunnar Cruz, like obviously he can't just take sack after sack after sack, but if he has enough time to find receivers to get the ball to, then he can be effective. Now it's a lot of you know cans, it's a lot of ifs, but this might be to what Jack was saying, what you were bringing up, how the type of defense that Colorado likes to play, that could fit into what Gunnar Cruz is best at, or at least it doesn't take advantage of his weaknesses. And plus, if the offensive line's been pretty good the last couple of weeks, really since the NAU game, if there's more health along the offensive line, they pass block better, and they open up some holes in the run game so it's not on Gunnar Cruz to throw the ball 35, 40 times, then I think you can win with him as a game man. Like A lot of those things happened with Jordan McLeod. Will they happen with Gunnar Cruz? So to say the offensive line, yeah, the offensive line played well the last two weeks with a different quarterback. The running game is better with a different, more mobile quarterback. If those happen again against Colorado, then Gunnar Cruz will be have a chance to be successful. But if there's the similar issues because he's a different style of quarterback and he's under pressure and guys aren't getting open, then yeah, it's going to fail. I mean, if the Arizona offensive line that has, has shown up the last couple weeks against more talented uh, defensive front sevens, you know, if the Oregon-Arizona offensive line shows up, they should be able to run the ball fairly successfully. You know, I think... Um, you know, you talk about that sack. I actually rewatched the game, and I don't have the uh, the all twenty two film, but I think if I'm Jed Fish, I'm doing every rep in practice because on that play it was a good example where if you know the blitz is coming, uh, I think it was Bryce Woolman was the tight end that he wasn't necessarily wide open, but he would he did a quick five yard kind of button hook thing where yeah. that's where you got if you see the blitz coming, especially up the middle, you got to know that's my release valve, and I I think if you train him to just think tight end tight end tight end and you don't even have the tight end run to seam you just have him be a you know the short the short route guy and you got to trust him to make the play be honest though you Uh, want him to be thinking tight end tight end tight end no matter what blitz or no blitz so let's be honest sure (laughs) but like you there's nothing wrong uh if you're gunner Cruz to know you you you, if he's pre-snap he should be looking where is a blitz coming from is it man or zone and where is my my check down release valve? Mm-hmm. And like, and if you don't know where, the, if you know, it's like, it's to some extent, it's like go back to the little league in baseball. Be like, if the ball comes to me, I go to throw the ball to second place to try to get a double play. And he needs to be thinking through those things. And I just don't know if his the game has slowed down enough for him yet. But I think you can game plan around it a little bit and make sure that all of the reps are about knowing where the check down is at all point, uh, all points in the game. Uh, but the other thing that you know. We mentioned the Arizona defense got two turnovers for the first time against a non-NAU school. You know, Colorado is not exactly a juggernaut. Um, you know, no. this this could be a game of, uh, you, you know, you get a pick six and you uh, you might win the game based on those that scoring alone, Adam. <laughs> well, yeah, if Colorado's only scoring eight and a half points a game, then a pick six gets you almost there. But, but that's the thing. Like, this is not unwinnable, this game. 
and Colorado coming off a bye, they probably they have some of the same thoughts we thought about Arizona coming off the bye. Time to get healthy. Time to really game plan for this. So it's those advantages that we thought Arizona had last week, Colorado has this week. So that's working against the Wildcats. But from a talent standpoint, from what we've seen of these two teams, Arizona looks less bad than Colorado, especially recently. And I grant Colorado's last couple losses were USC and ASU. ASU might be the best team in the conference, and USC still has talent. So those aren't embarrassing losses for them. But that's what makes this interesting because Colorado's offense has not been good. Well, Arizona's defense has been average. I think they've been average. But can they look good against a really a bad against a bad offense? Maybe. Maybe I that will so. be the case. <laughs> and then Arizona's offense, which if they could do that, maybe Gunner Cruz learned over the last couple weeks sitting, too, and watching those reps. And also Arizona Jed Fish said that they've learned that they're going to give their number one quarterback pretty much all the reps during practice. They found that to be better. So there's things that they've – the coaching staff has changed. The game plan and the style of how they're preparing their quarterbacks has changed since Gunnar Cruz was last the quarterback. So maybe that stuff will help them. You have to hope it does, right? Like the biggest issue with him is experience and hopefully getting out there, getting on the practice field, knowing what he needs to work on. The coaches know. They see the same thing we do. So like they have to be Julius into him. And for some reason, and I'm not saying this sarcastically, for some reason they look at Gunnar Cruz and think he's the best option they have right now with Jordan McLeod not available. Now that could be just an indictment on what the other rest of the quarterback room, sure. But if Gunnar Cruz is the best they have, and again, we saw him against BYU, he wasn't a problem against BYU. He was fine. He was effective, especially in the second half of that game. He made one bad throw that interception in the end zone. But otherwise, he was moving the ball. So with a pared-down offense, a more quarterback-friendly offense, and an offensive line that is playing better can open holes in the running game and give a little bit more time for the quarterback, then Gunnar Cruz, I think, does have a chance to be successful if he just doesn't screw up. If he doesn't throw interceptions, if he doesn't turn the ball over, then Arizona can win this game. Now, if Arizona has two turnovers, three turnovers in this game, then they're going to make it really easy on Colorado. But if Gunnar Cruz, I'd rather he throw the ball away but I'd also rather you take a sack than throw the ball into coverage. Like, that's the type of game they need is the don't-screw-it-up type of game. Like, I know it's like you want to get shot or stabbed, right? Like, it's, these are yeah. bad options, but <laughs> that's where they're at. That was the case with Jordan McLeod, too, is just don't – he was doing great against UCLA, throwing the ball away, not putting it in danger. Gunnar Cruz seems to be from that mold. I mean, if, if BYU Gunnar Cruz shows up combined with uh, Oregon offensive line – Arizona wins this game. They might opinion. even break 20 points. I mean, how many defensive touchdowns are we counting there, Adam? <laughs> how many are needed? <laughs> One touchdown and a safety. We'll keep leading the the, the world in safeties. <laughs> yeah, I it, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that, you know, it, bigger picture, we spent a lot of time in the offseason and even getting into the season talking about building culture. And I'm curious to see how that culture shows up in a game like this where they're 0 and 5, they've lost 17 straight. They feel like they finally got their quarterback as you know in that locker room and then he gets hurt. You know, there's talk that uh it sounds like Jordan McLeod is actually going to take one of the spots on the roster to travel with him because the team rallies around him. But can is that team rallying around him and maybe winning one for him uh, enough to rally them around Gunnar Cruz? And I, I'm curious to see how that happens. Uh, it could be an inflection point, um, but it'll be maybe the truest te- uh, test of the culture that uh, Jed Fish has been trying to build. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> it's it's an opportunity. The opportunity is there, though. Yeah, and and that's what it is. And we know the schedule isn't that daunting, all things considered, for a team that's lost 17 straight and is 0-5 this season. 
most of the Pac-12 is bad. <laughs> yes. Like there's like Utah looks like they could be tough. ASU is going to be tough, but Colorado, Washington, I think Washington State, right? These teams don't look great. Like Arizona's opponents, like it's not. Is Washington State on the schedule this year? I don't even know who Arizona's opponents are anymore. It hasn't mattered. They, they, they are. That's what uh, I yeah, in I Pullman. So. Okay, so never mind. That game's gonna be tough. But <laughs> like Cal at home seems winnable. And again, if Jordan McLeod was healthy, we thought. I think everybody thought they could win a couple of these games. And the question is, can Gunnar Cruz improve? Has he improved from the quarter? I don't think it's fair to judge him by what we saw against UCLA. Like that first drive, he the penalty yeah. already pushed them back, and it's just the whole situation. Because the second drive, he came out there and threw a couple of passes, short passes. He wasn't throwing the ball down the field. He was making the reach. He was getting rid of the ball. And then Michael Wiley fumbled the one where he was going to pick up like 25 yards. You know, like you can't put that on Gunnar Cruz. And at that point, though, any chance he had to really get in a rhythm was taken away. But coming in cold after the injury when everybody emotionally is just gone after what happened to McLeod, that's tough. He wasn't able to handle that. The team wasn't able to handle that. The question is, with a full week as the starter, not a you're going to play and then Will's going to get a couple series and we'll kind of see just he is the starter getting the starters reps with a starters game plan that is geared towards him with a coaching staff that feels like it has a better handle on how to prepare their quarterbacks on a week-by-week basis. I would expect him to be decent but because if he is, I think Arizona wins this game. I do, but we'll see. I guess I, I can't predict that. I can't exp- – I don't know. I want to say Arizona's going to win this game. I do. But I've said Arizona's going to win a couple games this burned. year. Yeah. Like, now it's on them to win <laughs> once, a game before I predict them to win a game. Once once burned 17 times in a row. Um, and you mentioned Michael Wiley. I, I watched, rewatched most of the game um, on, on DVR. And it's funny because rewatching it, I was like, oh, he actually played fairly well. He did. Except for, except for boy, he's got to stop running the old fumble ruski play because it never works. <laughs> Like he caught the touchdown from Jamari Joyner on that trick play. Arizona's only touchdown of the game it was a really good play that was so close to not being completed. <laughs> I think even Fish mentioned he's like, I think he was more open. We made he's like we made it difficult on ourselves. I just I just like to point out I've talked I mentioned it on the Twitter machine. We drove down to the game together and watched and we're at the game together and we literally talked about that exact scenario running that exact play and it made me look smart. It did. It did. So I. Arizona, Colorado. It's a twelve thirty kickoff at Folsom Field, where it's the last time Arizona won a game was on that very field two years ago. So there would be some symmetry, maybe some poet, you know, poetry to Arizona going up there and snapping the losing streak at the place where, you know, I don't know. I, I'm hoping we're all hoping. <laughs> the, re- the, 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 the reincarnation of the Arizona football program from whence it came. It doesn't it feel though if they can get one win. Now I know they're not going to take one win and turn to six, but if they can just get one win, no longer have that losing streak, get the taste of victory because they still believe in fish, which is important. Like that, they they all still seem fully bought in. But if they could just get a win, you know, yeah, it's 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 monkey on the pull on monkey on the back territory or gorilla on the back. And I I, I actually think if they if they find a way to win this game, I think. I, I actually am pretty confident they're going to win another one before the season is out. Yeah, then they I can maybe it's... beat Cal, right? Like, you'll feel yeah. like they can beat Cal at home or Washington at home. Like, I mean, neither of those teams are very by... good. I'm not impressed by any team in the Pac-12, particularly. You know this. It's, I think it's ASU's Oregon, talented. 
they're they're talented, but also a rivalry game. I don't know if it matters how good or bad either of those teams are in a given year. It's almost never more than a 60-40 proposition in my mind. 60-40 proposition or 60-40 like to the – I mean, Arizona did lose by a lot last year. Uh, we, <laughs> Adam, there's no way in hell we can score 40 points. <laughs> I mean, who knows me? That game last year won't count in the history books when all is said and done. But <laughs> to be fair, this year's game probably won't count. It'll be vacated. <laughs> but Arizona, Colorado, it's Arizona's next best chance to end the losing streak. It's at 1230 Folsom Field on the road. Gunnar Cruz will be the quarterback with a hopefully redesigned offense that fits his skill set because there is talent there. He's got to find a way to unlock it for this team. And hopefully they'll score more than 19 points. Or if they don't, that the defense will allow fewer than 12. Like they can score 19 points and win. That's fine. I think we'll take that. All all I want is Arizona to score more points than Colorado this Saturday. That's yep. all I'm asking for. Which isn't a big <laughs> ask, but it kind of also is. So we'll leave that. 2-0 two, two Arizona. One safety and that's it. Hey, that's That would be such an Arizona way to win this game. But before we send it to break, this Arizona-Colorado game deserves this discussion about how I thought we had the recording good for the interview until we didn't. And I thought I fixed the way to make sure that's not an issue. And I, apparently the way I need to fix it is to make sure Brett also records, which means I have to teach Brett how to record. Uh, well, on my screen, Brett, I'm just seeing a record button at least. So I feel like that's that's one of the uh, easy that, ones. That seems tricky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a little, it's a little on the nose for Microsoft, isn't it? That's true. They're not asking you to update that record button yet. Who knows uh, if it works? You know what's weird? I just had Clippy show up and say, so it looks like you want to record your podcast. Is that correct? <laughs> oh, man. Microsoft owns Xbox. They're still waiting for that Clippy video game. I've yet to, Come on. When are they going to make that? They got I all hope the money it's a first-person shooter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just put him in the car somewhere. That fits. Just, just shoot everybody. <laughs> You, the first level is just Cliffy going around doing uh, spell checks. You blast misspelled yeah, words. Yeah, that's true. The second level is just going through different spreadsheets. There you go. So thanks again to Jack Barsh of Ralphie Report for giving us his time. Even though we didn't get the full interview that we wanted, we still had a good talk with him, learned a lot about Colorado. And Arizona-Colorado coming up on Saturday. But after this break, let's talk some Arizona basketball. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. Let's talk some basketball here. Pac-12 media days have happened. Let's start with the women, Brett. The defending runner-ups, they were picked to finish fifth in the Pac-12 media poll, which seems fair. 
it's a very loaded conference. I mean, Stanford, Oregon, UCLA, Oregon State, that, that's reasonable. And also, Arizona's replacing one of the best players in program history in Ari McDonald. So it's reasonable to have a little bit of doubt in what they're doing. But I also saw that ranking, and I'm like, this is a good thing, right? Like, it's understandable that there's some questions about how they'll do without Ari. But if this team was going to kind of rest on its laurels or thought it had arrived after what it did last year, well, no one's expecting much out of them this year, so that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I actually saw that ranking and thought, boy, they're still they're still getting under uh, underappreciated, and they're going to sneak up on some people. I know Ari McDonald is was electric as and a, and a star, but I think if you actually look at the roster top to bottom, um, you know, I was reading PJ's kind of thing in the Daily Star, uh, and you look at that roster, and there's there's probably eight or nine people that are starting caliber caliber players. Mm-hmm. Maybe nobody is Ari McDonald, uh, but you got some. You've got well, between the transfers coming in, they've got a very highly touted recruiting class. You've got uh, plenty of people coming back. You've got Sam Thomas, Kate Reese, um, I, I'm, I'm like uh, Yaney, yeah, Betty uh, Yaney, Pe- Pellington. Shana, yeah, like, there's, yeah. If 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 Yaney can and can uh, develop a jump shot that is at all a threat, she's fantastic. Yes, <laughs> because every other aspect of her game is really good, except for they're daring her to shoot right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a very interesting roster that maybe does what it lacks in star power immediately. It has a lot of depth and versatility in terms of there's a lot of lineups that you can mix and, and match. More size too. Oh yeah, and I so I'm I, I I hear what you're saying where it's I'd almost rather have no expectations as any Arizona uh, sports team in general in my lifetime does not handle expectations well, and it's also kind of funny because I think back to you know. Going back to that NIT, that magical NIT run, every, like they keep arriving and yet nobody thinks they've ever actually arrived. And then like the pandemic was thrown in there and it's it, it's it almost has like made people think that they're more of a fluke, but they've been doing this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Adia Barnes is on top of her game and she 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 knows how to build a roster. It certainly seems that way. But of course, when you lose a player like Ari McDonald, there's going to be questions because when you're in a close game, when you need a bucket. When you went in a run, how many times was it her? You know, so when you don't have her, like the depth in the roster is fantastic. It's they can go eight, nine deep, and you mentioned how many guy people they have that could start for them. Like, of course, that's huge. But I was reading an article. Uh, Chantel Jennings wrote it for the Athletic too, a preview, like a profile of Arizona idea and the roster and all that. And they mentioned just like those are the questions: Do they have someone to take that big shot? Who is it? Because it helps to have a, a superstar. Now, can sure. Kate Reese be that person? Can Sam Thomas be that person? Or is it going to be someone else? We'll find out. But in terms of just the matchups they can create and the types of teams they can match up with based on their depth and the length and the amount of just good players they have, like I don't think I'd pick them first. I mean, Stanford's still in their conference. And Stanford, of course, is a team that beat Arizona in the championship last year. Like, it's a low, I don't think being fifth is as much of a slight against Arizona as is just a it's a credit to the depth in the Pac-12 when it comes to women's basketball. Because I don't think anyone's saying Arizona's bad. Like, I don't think anyone's saying Arizona's not that good or they were a fluke last year. I think at this point people know Arizona. Yeah, they may not have Aries, so we'll see if they're final four good. You know, how, how good they're going to be, everyone needs to find out. But I don't think there's any doubt that they're a, you know, a good program and a good team. Yeah. Just the Pac-12 is crazy good when it comes to women's basketball. Yeah, I, I mean... I hear the the point on like if there was somebody who needed a shot at the end of the game, it's going to be Ari McDonald, or just be up by fifteen but, at the end of every game, and it won't matter. Well, but I was going to say, was that 
because there weren't other good options or it's because Arizona has Ari McDonald and who in women's college basketball last year would you rather have taking the last shot in a game or just if you sure. used to get two points or three points in that position, who are you going to go to? And it'd be crazy to not go to her, right? So I think I think that's kind of where the, there's a little bit of uncertainty who's, who's going to fill that kind of facilitator role and how the offense is going to flow because a lot of that offense was, you know, entirely built around Ari McDonald's, you know, bright shining stardom right mm-hmm. uh but that might have just been because like hey you know when kobe's gonna go off for 80 give the ball to kobe <laughs> yeah. right um it's it, so it's gonna be a different team i think this year it might be even a little bit more uh it might be even a tougher team somehow defensively like erin mcdonald was a good defender but she wasn't a she's she's relatively small the size is probably better on the team overall and that length is going to probably disrupt teams a little bit more. Probably not as many high-scoring games for Arizona. Probably more of a. It might be more analogous to those those uh, Sean Miller years where the defense would just lock people down for the last ten minutes of a game, just in the women's basketball form, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, They'd be a different there's, level there's a, of good, a different style of good this year yeah, than what it's we've gonna, seen. It's a different team, right? Yeah. They're completely but different. They're you lose some a lot of returning talent. They're still going to be a yeah. very different team. They're going to look very different on the floor. Of course, we got the news that Kate Reese will be coming back for another season on her super senior year. That was, I think, idea is like they hadn't announced it yet, but yeah, she's doing kind of like how Sam Thomas came back for this year. Very exciting. You know, it's good to have that kind of leadership as they go through this transition. That's what I think uh, Chantel Jennings' article in The Athletic mentioned, like when they're rebuilding, but they have some of these building blocks who have been there for two, three, four years now. It makes the transition to the next era of Arizona women's basketball easier, where it's not on all the new people to come in and play the leadership roles. Uh, you have people who have been there from when Arizona wasn't as good of a program still because if they get hopefully they get to a point where this good year after year after year. But until then, it's nice to have players who remember what it was like when Arizona wasn't at this level, wasn't expected to be good, wasn't picked in the top half of the Pac-12 media poll because they know what, a, what they have to do to work to get to that level still, and they'll make sure everyone stays on that for this team because there is no area to lean on. Like they can't just be like, okay, just hang in there and Ariel will take care of it. That she's not there anymore. She's not walking through that door. So it's going to be on the rest of this team. But certainly, there seem to be a lot of options in terms of when they need a bucket or when they just need to make a play. They have multiple people who can do it. Yeah, and I'm really excited to get to actually watch some of those games. Hopefully, uh, there won't always just be on Pac-12 Network, so it'll go the way of our. pre-recorded podcast interview earlier today where no one will see it (laughs) well i know they also sold like six thousand season tickets so there'll be fans in the building and that's going to be great because that team deserves all the support and i have friends who bought season tickets who are all in and why wouldn't you be you know they're a really really good entertaining arizona basketball team so good luck to the ladies hopefully they prove that fifth place finish wrong that fifth place expectation shifting over to the men they're picked to be a fourth place tied for fourth in the Pac-12 media poll behind UCLA, Oregon, and USC, tied with Oregon State. Again, it seems reasonable to me. Arizona has a good team. They bring back a lot of talent, but there's unknowns with Tommy Lloyd coaching it. There's unknowns with Kirk Carissa at point guard. And also UCLA was very good last year. Oregon's very good. USC's very good. And Oregon State was pretty good last year too. So I think being picked to finish fourth and tied for fourth is a sign of respect for what Arizona does have, given that what we still don't know. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the... I think fourth place is a reasonable pick. I did have much more of a problem of in a 10-man first preseason uh, first team all-pack 12 that somehow Azulis Tabellis is on the second team. Yeah, that doesn't make uh, any sense. You know, Mar- like Marcus Bagley from ASU, also a sophomore, 
power forward. Like, he's an okay player. You're you're gonna tell me that he's better than Azulis Tabellis? <laughs> Should I know you, who like, Oregon State's player is? Worth Alatiche? Should I know who that is? That name doesn't ring a bell to me at all. <laughs> that that sounds like a made up name. I mean, the <laughs> UCLA guys, sure, like Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell. Uh, you know, I can, I can get, I can understand that Evan Batty for Colorado. Like he's, he's, he's been, he's still there, you know? Yeah. He's, he's, he's the PAC 12's answer to Perry Ellis. (laughs) It seems like he's been there forever. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, Isaiah Mobley making it for USC. I understand he's not his brother, but he's still a talented guy. Very good player. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some of these, I, are, I understand some of them are just, mind-blowing to me. I actually think Bagley um, is the biggest because Zulus was better than Marcus Bagley last season. And it, and it wasn't close. No, <laughs> no. It's Maybe it's motivation. Maybe it probably doesn't matter. I don't imagine Zulus cares about that <laughs> too much. But, yeah, he was one of the like the back, Pac-12, one of the best freshmen in the conference. He played all season, was this key guy, only going to get better, and to be left off the first team when, like you said, 10 players make it, that was like, huh? Like, as a team, they're being respected, but individually, I think maybe it speaks to that. That people can say, "Yeah, Ben Matherin's good." Tubelis, he's still on the second team. It's not like people are just you know scoffing at him. But Arizona's still ranked fourth with only two guys that people say, "Uh huh." Like there's, I think there's there's a confidence that Arizona will be pretty good. A lot of these pieces will fit together, but there's not a certainty, not yet. And I think that's why you get the fourth place ranking and why you get some of these first and second teams there. Now, granted, there's a lot of teams that don't have, like UCLA has, what, three guys on the first team. ASU has one. Oregon State has one. Oregon has one. So just having guys on the first team doesn't mean that you're expected to be good. But it's in terms of how good some of these players are, kind of like the women's team we're talking about, Brett, we don't know who the superstar is going to be, who the one who's going to get 16, 17, 18 points, if they're going to have that guy. Will it be Ben Matherin? Does his game translate to that? Does Zulus' game translate to that? Or do they have more of a, a lot of guys between 8 and 13 points a night and aren't going to put up those crazy good numbers but are going to be very solid, maybe 1 through 8 on this team? We don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, the, the two guys with the biggest star potential are the guys on the first and second teams in Matherin mm-hmm. and Tubelis. Uh, the the big question is, and we've talked about it before, is what is the leap that guys like Dale and Terry, Kirk Carissa, Christian Coloco, what are what what kind of a step forward are they going to make? Um, even Larson, if assuming he's healthy, you know he could be a guy that is a difference maker on this roster. Uh, you know, it's I think the I think the biggest biggest variable for whether the, whether this team. If, lives up to four or even beats it in the ranking by the time the season's over, you know, it's, it's all Dale and Terry in my mind. Cause I think he has the most potential to impact the game in the most ways. Uh, and he looked pretty darn good in the, in the red blue game, which, uh, also, you know, these voters, you must know some of these voters, Adam, cause I'm pretty sure Azulis Tabellis came out to a party in the USA by Marley Cyrus in the red blue game, which means he should definitely be Pac-12 player of the year and put some respect on Miley. Silence from Adam Green, who hates that song. It's not a good song, man. Good player, though, came out to it. Very good player, but not a good song. It's beneath him. But, hey, he's allowed to make – he's young. He's going to make some bad decisions, some poor choices. It happens. You know, as long as he grows from that, it's all you ask for. Uh, We can't (laughs) stop, Adam. We won't stop. 
<laughs> We're going to have to. We're running out of time on this week's show. But, you know, other things. Tommy, like, there's some good quotes. If you want to take it a recap, I'm sure Arizona Wildcats will have it on YouTube. The press conference, of course, AZ Desert Swarm has some good recaps of both the men's and women's Pac-12 media days in terms of the most impressive and more than important things that were said. You know, Tommy Lloyd talked about inheriting a strong roster and what his priorities were after accepting the Arizona job. And, of course, Ben Matherin talked about the team and all different stuff. Like, there's a lot of excitement heading into both basketball seasons. That's what's neat. You know, the women have a lot more, I guess, behind them in terms of, like, we saw them do it last year. But I think there's a lot of excitement for both because each team is coming into this year with a – pretty talented roster that we got to see how the pieces fit together, but they're going to be pretty good and entertaining. And that's, I think all you ask for right now, especially for the men with the coaching change and all that. And after the last few years, how it's been, of course, we saw this past week, we have a couple other news and notes here before we wrap up the IARP. There's another step in that process, I guess. Something's going to be revealed soon. Doesn't know. I don't think we know when that means, if that means it's going to end anytime soon, but at least there's some progress with the IARP, right? I mean, that's, that's something. (laughs) Uh, the IARP has confirmed that, yes, indeed, the passage of time has occurred. <laughs> like, <laughs> so <I> guess, <laughs> every, every day, no matter what, Adam, we are closer to whatever is coming. Like on October 4th, as it goes, so it was last week, I guess, but they, I think people just discovered it. The complex Kate unit, unit issued a, quote, amended notice of allegations in the case against Arizona. So does that mean they changed the notice of allegations? Does that, it wouldn't be amended <laughs> if it was the same, right? What can we read I into mean, this? Pretty sure that's the definition of it. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, I mean, it could have been amended and been worse for Arizona, but that seems less likely. So, I mean, <laughs> what, what can we read into what this thing is called? Uh, the amendment's going to be like, okay, cool, you fired Miller. We hated that guy. We'll drop half the charges and be done with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, <sighs> but yeah, that happened. Um, other news, of course, Arizona football added a home-and-home series with Air Force for like eight years from now. So that'll be fun. They can go against the triple option. When when will uh when will the Space Force have their own football program, Adam? <laughs> and when will we play them? I like that. <laughs> I like that. Um, Arizona, I guess we'll finish up with a football note here. Some good positive football. Arizona picked up a recruit, a linebacker, over the last weekend on October 10th. Jacob Manu from Servite from Juice County. They picked up another one. Yeah, uh, you know, Jed Fish uh, was on the on the Twitter machine saying that it is three quarters full from Juice County now. The pitcher, which is higher than it was previously, is two thirds full. So we're getting closer to completely full. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink, T Mac, please come. Or just they, I don't know how many more Servite players they have they could go recruit and get commitments from, but like <laughs> <it's>, uh... <laughs> Jed Fish is like, I will take your entire. Roster, if it means T Mac will come at this point. I mean, they've been—they're pretty good. That team, they're—they're they're hey. rolling. Like, it seems like every week we see updates from people who are covering them, and like Fafita is just throwing dimes all over the place to Burnett and to T Mac, and you know all sorts of things. Manu is—he's a three-star linebacker on the small side, but very productive. And I think you—I'm excited about a player like that because football is not played on with your measurements; it's played on the field. And if this guy knows how to play. He can take the right angles. He plays hard. Then you'll find a role for him on the field for you. Like he'll he'll be productive. Well, and he got a big boost in the rankings where he's just outside of the top one thousand, which sounds like a lot, but for college football, that's actually if you're if, if you're in the top one thousand, those are the kind of guys that Arizona needs to be targeting. And yeah, he's I think he's what like listed at five eleven or so, but yeah. Sometimes I think it's also good to remind ourselves that 
these guys are what 17 years old and some people may still be growing. So I saw a picture of him with his parents at like a football game and his dad's like six inches taller than him. I think his mom is taller than him. So he may not be done growing. And if he's this productive and adds another inch or two and, and, you know, physically matures a bit more, uh, you know, I think he's already a guy that can contribute and add value to the roster. And if he grows, it grows a little bit more both in height and in stature, you know, you could talk about somebody that could be pretty special. Yeah, and also seems like not a bad idea to get in with that Servite program. That's a good one in California where Arizona clearly has a foot in that door. And again, if I don't think this hurts when you're trying to get T-Mac. I don't think they're recruiting these guys just to get T-Mac. In fact, I'm sure that's not the reason. But this just like a solid player, and he was excited to play for Don Brown, a line, uh, his, you know, one of the better linebacker coaches who sent guys to the NFL. And again, yeah, the size is whatever. Same thing with Fafita, right? Like not a proto- prototypical size for that position, but the production is there. And I like coaching yeah. stuff that's willing to like, yeah, you don't wanna you don't wanna have a team full of OKGs, but I like going and getting guys who are productive at good programs, like good players. You know, so this guy comes in mind who comes in or he will be coming in with experience, and I'm sure with a bit of a chip on his shoulder too, and also with at least two more of his friends. You know, maybe three, if you know, if things go the right way. So let's let's hope for three. Let's hope for him and three of his friends. Again, though, we don't know how many more. He's probably got a lot of friends. He seems like a likable fella from what I've read. Yeah. And seen. Hey, 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 T-Mac, there's a name image likeness from Wildcat Radio 2.0 <laughs> sponsorship out there. What are we giving him? I don't know. What we, I don't know. Help us. Help. Uh, something about orange juice. I don't know. I like orange juice. Pulp so or does, no pulp? So does, no pulp. No pulp. I'm more team no pulp as well. But I'm not as offended by pulp as I used to be. Sometimes I like chewing my juice. I don't know. <laughs> Your tastes have changed in your old age, Adam. <laughs> they, have, they have. And before I get into more of my food takes, you should probably wrap this up. So appreciate everybody listening to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Make sure you're following us on the Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Of course, you can find us everywhere you get your podcasts on iTunes, on Spotify. If you're on iTunes, especially, give us a rating, review us. We will read that review. Live on the air. I say I say live, but it's a recorded podcast, so it's not really live live. But we like doing that. We've gotten some fun reviews. One we had that we talked about mentioned our sound quality, which was accurate. That was fair. We're always working on that. Technical difficulties are a thing, as we explained earlier in the show. But don't think we have any new comments this week. No reviews to go over. But again, just leave us the review. We will read it on the air. So <sighs> Arizona football. A winnable game this weekend at Colorado. Hopefully, I think I've been saying this every week now for the better part of two years, but hopefully next week we'll be talking about an Arizona victory. Otherwise, have a good weekend. Be safe out there. Remember to bear down. Bear down.